0: You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. In our gospel reading today, we are witness to a strange moment. John is out baptizing people in the wilderness, calling people to come into the, the Jordan to bathe themselves in water as a sign of their repentance. And as he does so, Jesus comes up to him. And uh, with, among all those people who are watching, all these people who are coming to baptize, John says to Jesus, No, wait a minute, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And perhaps he had heard from his mother the story of how when Elizabeth had met Mary while they were still pregnant, that he had left within the womb. He knew that Jesus is the one who was coming to fulfill him. Perhaps God just opened his eyes and he knew and saw that this was the Messiah, the Christ, the Lamb of God. But for whatever reason, he objected to Jesus being baptized. He said, you among all men do not need repentance. I need to be cleansed by you. But Jesus replied to him, Let it be so now, for it is right for us to to do this so that we can fulfill all righteousness. Matthew is the only one of the gospel writers who records what John said, that records his objection here, Um, and it's one that is not quite clear exactly what it means. If you go look at commentators on this passage, they say this is hard to understand, it's difficult to interpret. They don't always agree on exactly the meaning of what Jesus had in mind when he said, let us fulfill all righteousness. But that word fulfill shows up as a common theme in the book of Matthew. Um, The version that I looked at, the word fulfill shows up 16 times throughout Matthew. And in 14 of those, it's really clear that when Matthew is talking about fulfillment, he is talking about fulfilling what has been written in the scriptures. This was done so that it may fulfill what the prophet said. This was done so that it might be as Isaiah predicted. This was done so that the law might be fulfilled. And the one other time besides this particular passage that it uses fulfill, it's talking about fulfilling a vow. Somebody, if they take a vow, they should fulfill their vow. Um, but And here, with the way that Matthew uses the word fulfill and the fact that it points to the Old Testament and its realization in that present moment, we should probably understand that at least some of what Jesus had in mind was the fulfillment of scriptures, that he is fulfilling scriptures. And so, with that in mind, people look and say, okay, well, what scripture is he talking about? And oftentimes, what people point to is actually from our Old Testament reading, Isaiah chapter 42. The first verse of Isaiah 42 echoes what God would say, what the voice from heaven would say when Jesus was coming up out of the water and the heavens were open to him. It says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. Of course, when Jesus was coming up, it was, Behold my son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. But the idea is the same this is God's chosen one. And we are getting a glimpse into God bestowing his favor upon his chosen one. In the book of Isaiah, this is one of the passages that refers to the servant who is oftentimes called the suffering servant. Because there's a sense in which he is the special chosen one of God, and there's a sense in which part of what he is chosen to is suffering. One of the important things to see is that if Jesus understood before his baptism that the scriptures were going to be fulfilled, that this moment where God chose him was going to be made evident to all, then it shows that his intent and purpose for his ministry. And this is important for a few reasons. One is that it shows the falsehood of those who think that Jesus didn't know about his purpose at all until his baptism. That he was just sort of going along, trying to be faithful, didn't know what was happening or what was coming, and there, there's this moment where he's baptized and he sees the Spirit come upon him and he goes, oh, I must have been chosen. And there's a heresy that developed within the church that actually teach that Jesus was just a man, and there's a moment where God says he's my son, he's being adopted as his son, that he's being brought in, given the spirit, that he was a, a righteous man and that he's then being lifted up in that moment. And, and that there's this idea of adoptionism in here that Christ was not the eternal son of God, but that he became the son of God. And that's a heresy. It's not true. Jesus knew the purpose that he was going to fulfill. He knew that even in this moment where God would bestow his favor on him, that he was doing this for the purpose of fulfilling what God had sent him to do. But Jesus also knew what he was there for. If we look in that Isaiah 42 passage, it gives us a clue as to what the ministry of this servant whom God has chosen is going to look like. In verse 4, it says that he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Jesus knew that he was setting upon a ministry of justice, of setting things right, of announcing the coming of the kingdom of God. In verse 6, it says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you, referring still to the servant. And I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Jesus knew that in his body and in the shedding of his blood, that he would be establishing a new covenant between people and God, that he would be establishing a relationship between Israel and God that was not just a renewal of that old covenant, but a new covenant that was in him. In verse 7, it says that he is going to be given to open the eyes that are blind to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. Jesus knew that his ministry would be involved in healing and restoration, that he would be restoring bodies and that he would be bringing bringing people out of bondage. And this is exactly what Jesus did. He fulfilled the words of the prophet Isaiah in everything that he did in his life. And in his ministry, but it was very different than what the people who had read the prophet were expecting. When it talked about justice, they thought that it meant that he would throw off their foreign oppressors. And Jesus, when he brought justice, came to the religious leaders and said, You are distorting God's law, placing burdens on my people that I never intended. And I will bring justice by showing you how this law should be interpreted and showing you how this law should be lived. When the people of Israel thought about the restoration of covenants, where a new covenant be, being given in this servant, in the one who would be the Messiah, they were thinking of a restoration to the time of David's kingdom. They would have a leader who was chosen who would lead them to glory among the nations. and God said that in Jesus he was opening the path to a relationship to everyone that that relationship was available to them in him when they talk of prisoners being set free most probably thought of again of political prisoners certainly John would have questions later on as he sat in prison and then sent a messenger to Jesus and said are you really the one But Jesus said that his primary ministry at the time that he was there was to set free those who were under the bondage of sin, those who were slaves to the devil, those who were caught in the world and did not understand their purpose, the role that they were supposed to live in the kingdom of God. He brought freedom that was a true freedom, freedom that was available to everyone continuing the ministry that John began when he said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And Jesus is the one who came and said, And I can set you free so that you can enter this kingdom. And as he proclaimed the kingdom of God throughout his ministry, as he proclaimed the coming of the kingdom of God, he brought with him true justice, a true restoration to relationship with God in the covenant that he founded with his blood. He brought true freedom, true peace and restoration, true shalom. But many missed it because they did not understand. They were looking for the wrong thing. Of course, this still happens today. There are many people who would like and desire for God to come and bring restoration to our nation, restoration in our lives, And let me be clear here, it's not that God is not concerned about our political order, that he doesn't care that we live in a way that is in accordance with justice, that we do good to our neighbors. It's not that he doesn't want us to be healed and well. He wants all of those things for us, and there are times through his will that he brings those to us. But if we are looking for God to be a dispenser of gifts at our beck and call, giving us what we want, On our terms, we will often be discontent and unfulfilled. Worse yet, we will often miss what he is actually doing. And what he is actually doing is often a greater thing, a better thing. He's handing out to us the offer of true freedom. Freedom from sin. He's offering us true peace. Peace that is found in him and trust in him. And if we ask, has God done what I wanted? Instead of what is God doing? We are often likely to miss it. Because Jesus is still bringing justice. Jesus is still bringing healing. Jesus is still bringing freedom. He is still bringing God's peace. The offer of relationship in him. And this is not just something that needs to be heard for those who have not yet accepted and followed Jesus, who have not yet accepted Christ. All of us have moments where we forget, where we're looking for God to do the thing that we want, and we miss the thing that He is doing. God is doing a new thing, a surprising thing. And are we paying attention? Do we see it? Or is it something that we're missing? But this is really only half of the story of what's going on, if even that, in this passage. Certainly Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament text. He came to fulfill the words of the prophet Isaiah. But there's a sense in which his idea of fulfilling all righteousness is also more because of course John was right when he said to Jesus, you don't need to be baptized. I should be baptized by you. Why did Jesus enter into this baptism of repentance that he alone did not need? One of the things that is happening here is that Jesus is identifying himself with the people of Israel. He is not only fulfilling of scriptures as they are written down. He is fulfilling God's intent for his people. One of the songs that we sang this morning talked about Jesus as the true Adam, Jesus as the true Moses, Jesus as the one who is the true Son of God, the one who has really come. Israel was also always supposed to fulfill this role in the calling that God had placed upon their life. They were supposed to be a light to the nations. But it is Jesus who would fulfill that. And in doing so, he walked the path that Israel should walk, including the path that went into a baptism of repentance. Taking on himself, even in that moment, not only his own sin, but the nation's sin. Becoming the true Israel to say, I bring this before God, and I will show you what it means to repent and turn away. To turn away from sin, to turn towards God as his Father. And this, of course, was evidenced in the entire life and ministry of Jesus. It is this moment at his baptism that, that begins his public ministry. And as he walked among the people, as he interpreted the law to them, there was always this sense of astonishment, the sense of amazement at the authority that he had, at the relationship that he clearly had with the Father. And Jesus, in his doing this, is not just proclaiming his uniqueness. He is proclaiming to everybody, this is what you should be as well. He is the eternal Son of God. But it is proclaimed in Jesus that we are all to be adopted sons and daughters of God that we are all to have the same rights to be able to call God Father, that we are all to have the same turning away from sin, the same living into the law, and that it is good. Of course, Jesus took that fulfillment of Israel's purpose all the way to the cross, where he once again took the sin of the entire nation upon him. In order to pay for our sin, to be able to restore us to that relationship as sons and daughters, so that what we see fulfilled in Jesus could be fulfilled in us as well, that we could be called sons and daughters of God, that God could look at us and say, In you, I am well pleased. People at the time had different ideas about how to restore their relationship with God. Pharisees thought that if they followed the law with enough detail that it would restore their relationship with God. The zealots thought that if we just kick out the Romans, if we get them out, if we just fight them away and take over the land, then God's blessing will be restored to us. There were the Essenes, people who just sort of thought that they should retreat from society, go out into the wilderness and pray and just sort of put a wall between you and everything else so that perhaps God could come to you even though he wasn't present in society at large. And Jesus said, here is how you can have a restored relationship with me I will come to you and I will do it God said I will come to you and fulfill the prophecies in my own person because in this moment as well another thing that we cannot miss here is God revealing himself in some traditions this baptism and the the feast that celebrates it is known as the theophany which is, theophany in general is a term that means the revealing of God. But specifically in here, in the baptism, when God, the Father, when heaven opens up and the Spirit comes down upon Jesus, God is revealed as the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one who always was, the one who always will be always in eternal relationship, always in eternal love, and in Jesus being revealed as part of this eternal Godhead, as the eternal Son, we find that God is doing a new thing. That the freedom, the restoration that we so desperately need is something that we never could accomplish for ourselves. But that He said, I will fulfill all righteousness. I will do what you cannot. I will live in the way that you could not. I will pay for sin in the way that you could not. I will break the bonds of uh, chains of sin in a way that you could not. To the extent that we go back to doing it on our own, or that we seek a way apart from Jesus, We are entering back into the bonds that God never intended for us. Are you looking for a way apart from Jesus in your life? Are you looking to live and fulfill righteousness on your own? Because you cannot do it. God revealing himself here, in this moment of His baptism. It is a reminder of His goodness, of His grace, of His coming down to us. It's also a reminder of our own inadequacy that we cannot fulfill the purposes of God on our own. Only if we are living in dependence upon Him Only if we are living in the power of the Holy Spirit, not under our own power, can we do what God intended for us to do. Can we be who God intended for us to be? There's a response to this that is given, again, if we flip back to Isaiah, we get a glimpse of how we respond to this moment. Where we see that, behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring forth i tell you of them these are new things that are happening and the response that goes on beyond the end of our reading but in verse isaiah chapter 42 verse 10 it says sing to the lord a new song his praise from the end of the earth you who go down to the sea and all that fills it the coastlands and their inhabitants let the desert and its cities lift up their voice the villages that kedar inhabits let the inhabitants of selah sing for joy Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare His praise in the coastlands. The only right response to this is to praise God for what He has done. Because when you see and understand our great need and that the Father has met it in Jesus Christ, in His only Son who He gave to us, who He revealed to us as His beloved Son, who came to live the life that we could not live, to die the death that would set us free. When we see that, the response that we should well up in our hearts is thanksgiving and praise and joy because God has done it in Jesus. And also we must heed His voice. Just as Jesus went to the baptism of repentance to show what it looks like to fulfill God's purpose, we must repent again and again and again, not just once, not just as the entry into life with God, but as the constant pattern of life with God because we fall into sin over and over again. We must follow his example and his words. Repent. Turn away from sin. Because what is held out to you is something beautiful and good. God's word is, Behold, you are my child in whom I am well pleased. That's what he desires to speak over you just as he spoke over Jesus. Live in dependence upon him. Understand that you cannot do it on your own. And oftentimes it is in the moments of our desperation where this word from God becomes most clear to us. When my dad was here over Christmas, we watched together uh, the first episode of The Chosen. I had seen it a while back, um, but I was introducing it to him. I thought that maybe it would be something that he would enjoy And there's several threads that go along throughout this this episode, Um, but one of them that really stands out, that's sort of the chief of this episode, is that they have Mary Magdalene, and they show her as a child, perhaps learning from the prophets, learning actually from a passage that is just after what we read today. In Isaiah chapter 43, it says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And it goes on it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. And as this story is told in this Um, this television series that is looking at the life of those disciples who, who ended up depending upon Jesus and the life of Jesus himself. You can see the desperation in her life. She has heard this word as a young girl, but she has been used and abused as an adult. Men have used her for her beauty. Demons have taken up residence within her. And she is desperate, desperate for help. There is a moment where one of the Pharisees comes, somebody who is a holy man, to try to cast out those demons from her, and he just walks away afraid, unable to help her. She wonders what she could do. The moment where she walks up to the end of, edge of a cliff, clearly considering taking her own life just to end the pain because she is desperate and sees no one who can help her. A bird flies up, and she takes it as a sign that something is happening. And she goes back to the local bar and just wants to try to drink to forget. Even that isn't enough. She walks away. She's walking out into the street when a man comes up to her and says, Mary... And throughout the show, she is gone by a false name. Nobody knows her real name. And she stops. And she turns. And it's the first time in the entire episode that Jesus appears. And what he says is But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. What all of us are called to. To understand our desperate need, but that God has sent His only Son. He came to fulfill all righteousness. He was named the Son of God, revealed to us as the one who had been in eternal relationship with God, revealed as God Himself, who came to us so that He could call you by name? Will you listen to His voice? Will you understand that there is no other way? Do you understand the call to live the life that He has given you, the call to repentance, the call to dependence, that in Jesus there is fulfillment of peace and justice, That there is restoration and healing. The good news that is given to us over and over again, that is revealed to us in this moment, is that we cannot save ourselves. You cannot save yourself. But in Jesus Christ, God Himself has come to save you. Listen to His call as He speaks your name. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.